Matt B, where MMA and UFC get silly. This is the Lat B Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back to Lat B MMA Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Emmanuel, here with the best coast hostess I could ever wish for. We got Chaney laying it down after a heavy weekend of fights. We had eight bouts finally show out, but if you want to get our in-depth details, if you want to find out about all the passing out and losing all the fights, definitely go to Fights of the Roundtable for all that good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Did you actually happen to hear that Joanne Calderwood passed out after her fight that she lost. What? It was a whole- Yeah, in the back. It was a cursed event if we've ever seen one. It sure was a cursed event. I I was wondering if when um, Giles, I thought it was all the Giles talk, and then I'm like, oh, he fell out on the show. I was unsure if I should release that show or not, but and then I rewatched it and I was like, okay, nothing crazy happened at the end. Everything was cut in due time. <laughs> Definitely got a little bit hairy. Saw the light at the end of the tunnel for a little bit there, but hey, we're back on fight schedule. We had for go, like those of you that don't know, we made e cut wait for this last episode of Fights <laughs> of the Roundtable, and actually enough though, different than Giles. Um, you made it all the way to the end of the fight. <laughs> I was the last one, and I was like, I don't feel so good. And then all everything went dark. <laughs> so, it was definitely a good one. Um, we've had a lot happening, though. We've had people asking us about Dana White Contender Series. I, If you want to know what I'm thinking about those fights and what's going on, feel free to at me on Twitter. I'll chat with anyone if I get into tape, but I'm usually doing breakdowns for these Saturday cards more so than Tuesday type of fillers, which it's not UFC fighters looking for that contract. But did you catch any of those fights last night on Dana White Contender Series? There were some hot ones. I hate to say this. I was watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Wow. (laughs) True colors. True colors being shown. Well, it was Dana White's Contender (laughs) Series, so... I watched Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and then I watched uh, MMA Mark's live cast, and then I went to bed like a normal human, which doesn't happen for me very often. <laughs> so how were the fights? There was definitely some of the worst judging I've ever seen, regardless of level of fights. There was a Rodriguez versus a young man who he came in short notice and Gave a fight of the year as far as contender series. Just a hell of a scrap. Neither of them got the contract, but 30-27 the opposite way. Just there's no way uh, the young man Rodriguez won two of those rounds decisively. But then there was some contracts dished out. A 185-er who's getting the Shabazian treatment. They're like, oh, he's a new UFC champ. This kid, he kicked this other guy in the liver on week's notice. And we've never seen anything like it. Oh, my God. Sign him right now. Like it's, you know, people are really quick to jump on these hype trains right now. So, you know, they, yes, there's a lot of good contenders coming out of these series, but a UFC champ, we haven't had one yet. Tough house. That's I um, am listening and I'm, I'm trying to cha- figure it out because I'm so irritizzle. Still the Shabazian Brunson picture for our live feed right now. 
it's just irritating. I did just catch that. So I didn't want to turn it off again and stop the feed, but it's just um, depressing because YouTube has some all new setup download. But this is another reason why we're going to be on Zoltanite's Twitch. So if you are a YouTube watcher, you need to um, go over to Twitch and make sure that you're following Zoltanite. And if you're like, I, I don't I don't Twitch. You can stream it to your TV the same way as you can YouTube. You can same download apps. it and watch it on your phone the same way you can YouTube. There is really no difference in every, probably a lot of the topics that you're looking for, you might be able to find on Twitch TV as well. So that is a free plug for Twitch, but also because when we switched formats before and we had the double download with our stream, a lot of our listeners couldn't find us for a while. So when one day they can't find us on YouTube, I want them to know where we're at this time. <laughs> <laughs> so been censoring these hot picks lately if you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> so um other news going on yair versus zabit is officially canceled as well did you hear any of that on the mma versus yair fell out again high ankle injury fracture he doesn't want to fight Zabit, just like most of his other fights you know very hand-picked opponents does he want he was was not Yair released once for not wanting to fight to be I did feel that but then Yair came out in like two brutal wars he fought like somebody and then the Jeremy Stevens twice right Stevens and I think it was weird. Jeremy Stevens twice. just twice Jeremy Stevens right. that's the only other time we've seen him well one of them he poked him in the eye in the first 30 seconds of the fight and then blamed Stevens for bitching out of the fight and it's like what you poked him that's crazy it's crazy. Um, it's, it's, it's normal. Uh, I don't know. I want to like Yair now. I don't want to think of him as, um, I know this is, I don't want to think he He's has a bitch in his blood, but <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, the fact that he does, he does not seem to want the Yair fight. There's a beat fight. fight. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> agreed with that. It's just once. Okay. Twice. Sure. You know, four and five times, it's like, all right, well, you're obviously trying to handpick your opponents right now. Sounds like you got to finish this one in there. So he knows what we're here for. The wife he knows is we're home. Here to do. The wife is home. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case Hillary Clinton's we trying to solidify our schedule. Hi, <laughs> baby. They'll be able to track it, yeah. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure they've been there. tracking but it. They've what we're all here for. Truth, truth, truth. A whole 12-card bout we have coming up before the pay-per-view. It's going to be headlined by Derek Lewis versus Alexi Olenek. These 12 bouts have been ramshackled together. We got short-notice replacements out the wazoo. It's a new post-COVID world, and we have fights every single week from here on out twice a week sometimes with these contender series fights so getting's good if you're loving mma right now we're gonna have some fun debuting opponents in here the main event is super sketchy but you know how we always do around here we start from the bottom to the top and it's going to start off at 135 pounds with debuting ali al kais come kais kais uh, Ali Abdelaziz. I thought that would be funny. Like, here we go with a weird fight card. <laughs> Against Erwin Rivera. Erwin Rivera making his debut two months ago on short notice. The 9-5 and five fighter lost to Giga Chikatsi in a decision. But really showed a lot of the talent. The Titan standout shows that he's a kickboxer. Will throw in some 
rudimentary shots, but really just like to stand and bang. Solid chin. I mean, he ate some unbelievable strikes by Chikatsi and was able to keep going a hard three. Now he's going to have an actual two weeks, three weeks notice to get a bit more ready for this against this debuter, the Royal Fighter. The Royal Fighter, eight and three, fighting out of Brave, is mainly a submission guy. He does have some knockouts early in his career, but they're like heavy overhand rights, and then it's a jumping guillotine. He loves that high elbow guillotine. He loves the throw or reach for all sorts of spots on it, and he lays in hard. It works on the regional scene. Ugh, I don't know if it'll work in the UFC so much. The thing is that Erwin Rivera, I don't know if he's necessarily UFC caliber as well. The only reason he got in the UFC was because he was willing to step in on six days' notice. So the UFC is giving him his secondary bout right now and a lot of intangibles here. For that matter, I don't know if uh, Ali in here, the Royal Fighter, was much of a prospect on the scene. His last fight was eight months ago where he got a decision in there. Very low volume. The strikes just aren't... He does blitz people in there, uh, but it's really just an overhand right, and then he'll muscle some takedowns in there. He looks like he has alopecia, and it's so weird because he's got a full head of hair, dark eyebrows, but in this photo and his fights later on, he's just as smooth and oiled up as I could ever see. I don't know if he doesn't like to go to the ground or something here, but the Jordanian fighter... Uh, I think is going to have the slight grappling advantage, but I don't know if he's going to be able to take down Rivera. I think Rivera might have better takedown defense, and as long as he watches for that high elbow guillotine, Rivera can turn this into a very dirty, gritty fight. I think it goes decision for Rivera. It is a big, fat stay away. I've been playing a lot of these lately, and uh, it's worked out at times, but for me, this one really just has decision written all over it i could see ali i could see either guy finishing but i think it's got big fat stay away we got 12 11 more ahead of us to be able to make spots give me rivera the minus 200 favorite what do you think you're going to be going on this first one of the um, night? i'm probably going to stay away from this i'm going to pick rivera decision if he ekes out the two rounds um but the other dude does have a powder look about him <laughs> absolutely <powder>. absolutely <laughs> that poor creepy kid the stories he's got oh boy <laughs> i don't even want to say because it'll get us it'll get us uh shadow banned <laughs> <laughs> so on DraftKings, you're gonna end up having to pay eight thousand nine hundred for the favorite rivera against ali's seven thousand three hundred Big fat stay away. There's no way you can have Rivera that expensive. He has to get on number one. Minimal, minimal exposure. And I think a lot of the field's going to end up playing that way as well. Then we move on to 145 pounds where we have returning Yusuf Salal coming in against debuting Peter Bar Barrett, the Slippery Pete. So, Slippery being all sorts of uh, narrative for this fight card. The 11-3 fighter is coming off a two-fight winning streak. One out of the Contender Series 11 months ago where he won a decision. Prior to that, getting some cage experience on some really low-level scenes out there. Losing a couple of his bouts via submission. Uh, even a triangle choke before. Barnett 
swings heavy. He's got a good hook to a double leg takedown. Um, not tons of power, not the best kicks in the world, has a solid gas tank, but there was nothing in any of the tapes, even some of the finishes he had against those regional guys that really stuck out. A lot of those regional guys looked very, very limited with their 5-1, and 5-0 and oh records. Um, I think what we've seen lately from Zalal and his last three-fight winning streak has been nothing but top-notch. Two in the UFC, beating Jordan Griffin as an underdog and Lingo as a big underdog as well. Uh, Zalal is finally getting the credit he deserves here at a factory Muay Thai. He's shown us a great gas tank, great fight IQ. Not necessarily the biggest punching power, but Zalal's been mixing it up as good as anyone in there. Going to the legs, body, and head clearly decisively and able to put it up for a solid three rounds um just a lot of people are high on this young man for a lot of good reasons and that griffin fight really showed it because i think griffin is a very underrated fighter as well he was a big underdog there and Zalal just really showed uh, a lot of veteranship at such an early age i feel like Zalal here gets the decision if there's a finish i think it's only on Zalal's side as well i'm gonna probably end up putting a couple little spots on him here uh but it's going to be in that 10 percent range i don't think i'm going to go too too heavy i do like the this going all three rounds give me a decision for the heavy minus 350 favorite who do you think you're going to be taking um i also have Zalaw. i really liked his last performance uh i think this could be like a fight of the night both these guys seem like they could come out throwing leather and maybe make it all the way to the end um I like Zalal in this fight. I also think he's going to leave his heart in there and throw a shit ton of punches. I don't know how heavy of a favorite he is on DraftKings. I usually like to stay away from this guy's this far down. Um, but this guy seems like he stands and bangs. Like he seems like a 90 point, 110 point dude. He has an average of 73 points for a cost for Zalal of 9,300 mm. against debuting Barrett's. 6,900 out of the two, the only plays the law there, but that's ultra expensive. 9-3, he's going to be one of the highest uh, priced fighters of the night, and I just don't see him paying that out unless he finishes in the first round. Even with three round decisions where he was winning pretty decidedly, he only got 73 points, so 10% Zalal, uh, zero, I'm going to be on Barrett there. Anything on DraftKings do you yes, think you're going to be doing with that? Sir. Staying in 145 pounds, or did we move up 10 pounds here? We got returning Justin Janus coming in against Galvin Tucker. Janus being one of the best underdogs to come through as of late. On short notice, six days notice against Frank Camacho. Not even six days, maybe it was like two or three days um, he came in and blasted Frank Camacho in a first round finish in the first minute, knowing he had to get it done a month ago in there. Since then, staying in camp, he didn't take too much damage. There was a split over his eye from a headbutt in there. Um, but Janus really getting it done with strikes in there can blitz people. It is just that gas tank of his that even on his regional scene fights, uh, when he got pushed into that third round, being 16 and 4, you really started to see where a lot of that high power, high flash, uh, one shot type of combinations he throws uh, adds up. And then he's just kind of like a duck out there waiting for the storm to be over. Where Gavin Tucker came in with a, 
as a hot prospect, losing his debut against Rick Glenn over two years ago, but a year ago finally beating Su Wu Choi in a submission. Uh, Su Wu? Sorry. <laughs> so, Tucker uh, has a lot of variables in here. He's He can finish you via kicks. He, he can also get some submissions in on you. Shows solid wrestling. Uh, gas tank as well. Chin is not bad. He's been able to take good shots. It's interesting that he's been in the UFC for two years, ten months now, and only fought twice. And Janus is about to fight twice in a matter of under two months. So definitely different uh trajectories but the nova scotia fighter is definitely i feel like a little bit more well-rounded overall he may not have as much power as janus and maybe a little better on the ground um but again it's that janus factor of that one hitter quitter that might turn this into a really sloppy fight but i do think that tucker is able to drag this into the second and third round and we see more of a decision type of a fight I could see myself even picking Janus in this. This is an ultra-close fight. Almost a coin flip for a reason. Give me Gavin Tucker, minus 160 favorite here wow. in this one. Um, Who do you think you're going to be taking in this one? I actually like Gavin Tucker a little bit as well. Um, I don't even hate the Rick Glenn fight compared to the Camacho fight. Like Losing to Rick Glenn seems like better than winning Frank Camacho. I mean, a win's always a win, but Frank Camacho at that point was whatever. Um, I like James. I just worry that he's going to punch himself out in the first round of this fight. And yep. um, James will kind of take over. I'm not worried about Jane or, or, Jane, or Tucker will take over. I'm not worried about James getting submitted. But I am worried about, worried about him having to fend off submissions for three minutes of a round and still losing a round, which I think could happen here. I think this is going to be a very close fight. I'm going with James' decision. Um for the amount of output and damage I think that is done. Uh, but I think this could go either way. I don't, I think this is almost a pick em. But I see the hype off jeans. I understand it, but it shouldn't be two to one. Absolutely. It's not, but I agree with you. It should be much closer than it is right now. Uh, but there's a lot of people that are thinking Janes comes in here and finishes that KO real quickly. And as you're saying, I think there's a real possibility that he gasses if he doesn't get that finish in the first round right away. On DraftKings, you're going to be end up having to pay eight thousand four hundred for the slight favorite Tucker against Janus's seven thousand eight hundred. On DraftKings here, I think people are going to be swayed to Janus because he got such a high score and his average is one hundred eight, and he's a bit cheaper, but. I don't say don't have exposure to him because he could get that first round finish, but don't go heavy in the paint on Janus by any means whatsoever. Uh, I'm going to go super light. I'll probably go 10 and 10%. I'll have one of them on each kind of card. And Do then you know what um, Janus's dad's name is? Heinous. Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I've got a so, huge Janus online one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that is that's one of the that things that when, <laughs> remember how we got so much entertainment after for going on uh, Periscope with Michael Hunt. <laughs> yes, that was the best. Mike so, Hunt is one of the best uh, people I've ever known in my life. <laughs> uh, sorry, go on, go on. So 
Moving on to 185 pounds, we have Andrew Sanchez coming in against Wellington Terman. Terman in here being 16 and 3, last beating Marcus Maluco Perez, who didn't fight over the last weekend, losing a split decision to Carl Robertson, but having multiple submission decision and knockout wins on the region, regional Brazilian scene. Really a fun, well rounded fighter, solid striking, really sits in the pocket, doesn't move his head too much but has solid output, will throw a two and three strike combination to push you up against the fence and turn it into a grimy fight. He did it against Robertson, and he did it against Perez as well, where Terman's one of these guys that he's not going to flash you. He's not going to uh, do anything outstanding. He's not going to throw a spinning hook kick and land it on you or a scissor kick or some crazy shit. He's going to get in your face and grind you out. He makes a lot of his opponents look very mundane, but it's because he's just constantly uh, wall wrestling them, getting them on the cage, dirty boxing on them, and just not letting people show off here. And against Andrew Sanchez, the longtime UFC fighter here, 11-5 and five is coming off of a loss. We, I feel like we know what we're getting with Andrew Sanchez. D1 wrestler, all sorts of heavy-duty freaking credentials, uh, Solid striking, not the best chin in the world, but a gas tank that is just goes into the second round. But when his gas tank falls off is when he gets finished. Uh, Andrew Sanchez will literally gas himself so bad going for takedowns that in that second and third round, he starts to put his hands on his knees and people just start teeing off on him. And he hasn't been able to make that turn. It's still, he's in many fights that he's lost. It's always been that gas tank and it just makes that, chin diminish that much more and here i see Terman uh pushing him into that deep water i see Terman potentially giving up that first round because especially if sanchez comes out with the wrestling heavy game plan that he does he'll get ton of takedowns in round number one but after that uh, he might not be able to get it down so much and that's where i feel like Terman's really going to be able to turn it on dirty box it i had a decision i think i'm going to go tko round number three think it's going to be death by cardio and it's going to be that wilting of Sanchez that we've seen since the tough house days. He just falls off of a cliff when he does Wellington Thurman TKO round number three, another favorite in my pocket. Who do you think you're taking for this one? Another favorite in your pocket. I think I'm going to go with the favorite as well here and I don't have too much to add. Um, I'm not really excited about either guys. Um, this is a weird fight card for me. There are a couple of fights that were thrown together really last minute, and then there's a couple of them that I just am like, Andrew Sanchez has kind of never shown up. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Thurman's been underrated the whole time he's been in the UFC, and Sanchez has been overrated the whole time he's been in the UFC. I don't know. Um, give me Thurman. Give me a boring, slow, depressing decision. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the minus 160 favorite. Terman, 8,500 against Sanchez is 7,700. On average points, Sanchez gets 67 points. Terman, an average of 60 points. So, mm. I I like Terman here, but for 8-5, I was hoping I was going to get him in that 8-2 range. You know how you say range. a tall man style, and it's like a style and a way a guy looks in the ring? I think there's this lazy man style, and I would never be able to point it out if it wasn't so fresh on my head with um, 
what Shabazian versus Brunson. Shabazian's builds a lot like Sanchez, where it looks just like Lazy Man in the even when in the first round. The hands are heavy, low, kind of like walking around in this weird way. It's just like a heavy body style. Sanchez looks like that in there the whole time to me. Is Thurman the one? So, Thurman the one you were saying that had, was that had the bad gas tank or Sanchez? I'm sorry, Sanchez. Okay, that's Sanchez. what I thought too. I totally agree. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Do you think you're going to be page. playing either one on DraftKings? Um, no, they seem like low-scoring, boring fight. That's kind of what I see it as well, even though I have a finish. I could move to a decision on Terman by the weeks out after we see weigh-ins, but yeah, I'm going to probably stay away from that bout as well, see it being fairly low-scoring. Then we move on to 155 pounds, where we have a profile matchup with Nak Nazrat Hapkarast, better known as Baby Gast, on the show coming in against you're, debut you're and Alex moves <laughs> <So, laughs> Hey, you know them hips and them nips. Yeah. Do it for me. Hips and you nips. <laughs> hips and nips. So Hap Caress being all sorts of hyped up against the Alpha Male wrestling coach standout. Alex Munoz being a wrestling state champ national D1 wrestler out of Sacramento. He was originally from Texas, though. So. The uh, perfect 6-0 fighter has fought on the Contender Series as well and won a decision, didn't get the contract against Nick Newell, went back to the regional scene, got another decision. Once he's finally stepped up in competition, those early finishes that Alex Munoz had in there haven't come about because he's finally fighting, you know, not the janitor and not just the regular uh, guy down the street. He's actually fighting other professionals in here, and I think that's going to be uh, much more of his fight style moving on now that he's at this top-tier level. He does like to use his wrestling, as I was saying. He does. He's the alpha male's wrestling coach there. Uh, so, you know, it's only a matter of time until he leaves Uriah Faber and starts his own little club. But uh, for right now, Uriah is treating him good. He has a solid overhand right, good gas tank, will shoot for takedowns whenever he's not getting uh, the best exchanges, but he doesn't have, like I've been saying on these other guys throughout the night, he doesn't have that uh, flash power. He doesn't have anything that'll blow you out of the water. Against Nick Newell, a one-armed fighter, <laughs> he couldn't even finish him. It went to a decision. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm a dick. Uh, but I don't, uh, you know, Didn't there's Justin Gaethje or did Justin Gaethje finish, finish him just fine? Finished him. Oh, okay. Finished him just fine, I believe. So, and I feel like Dana and other people even said that, like, we love Nick Newell, love his story. See, fighter, you know, might just not be in the cards for him, but he can be on the PFL scene and fight a bunch of other guys, but people are starting to understand how to beat him. Either way, in this fight against Hapkaras, it's a really, really uphill battle. A big favorite for a reason. Hapkaras coming off of a loss to Drew Drover, but getting a three fights before that against Ikesi, Joaquin Silva, knocking them all out, coming out of TriStar. We got a great educated jab, educated kickboxer. He's finally lost a lot of that baby fat and really musculared out there. Against Dober, uh, Dober just showed that he had a superior ground game uh could, but it wasn't just the ground game dober actually landed quite a few good strikes he's out of that elevation fight team and just been fighting on all cylinders and this fight all matters whether that takedown can come about because 
you know Munoz is going to be searching for heavy duty and Habcrest is going to have to be sprawling hard. Now, the difference here is that Munoz doesn't have that one-punch ability. He doesn't have the striking to be able to set up those shots. He's just going to be shooting. Like we said, Frankie Sainz versus Martinez, he's just going to be shooting. So Habcrest is going to have a lot of fast knees coming up the middle to intercept those. He doesn't throw that intercepting knee, which I wish he would, but he has that in his repertoire. He is, a, I think, a Dutch, a Norwegian type of boxer or uh, boxer from over in Germany before he came over to TriStar. So he can make those reads real time. And I think that Alex Munoz is going to get finished in round number two here. There's a reason there's a big favorite, perhaps, grass. If there was going to be some sort of a win for Munoz. I think it's only a decision, so I like the finish potential for Nasrat. Give me him in a lot of spots. Who do you think you're going to be taking in this bout? Um, this is way too much too soon and kind of disrespectful in a way to me for um, Nasrat Hopcrest. I do understand that he got knocked the F out, but he got knocked the F out by Drew Dober on a mad tear right now. We loved everything that Drew Dober has been putting together of recent and his TRT body um, and his TRT jawline. <laughs> I'm just, but um, he, uh, yep, he knocked out Nazrat. Hopefully that's the loss. It's been a long enough time to me for uh, Hapcross to come in here. And up until that point, he was one of the fastest guys in the division. He has a good mm -hmm. ground game, good takedown defense, good striking. Um, I can't imagine that he's not going to be even better here than the last Nazrat Hopcross we saw. So I liked his trajectory up until that point. I thought Drew Dober was too much too soon still for him, even though he's been in the UFC a little while. I don't think Alex Munoz is the same. So give me uh, Nazrat Hopcross. Um, I, I could see it nasty knockout finish because he's so fast-handed once he gets someone to the ground he can lay off 10 strikes in four seconds and um get the fight waved off so i could i i like your uh ko potential for nazareth uh if i see it coming i see like around three like that veteranship of this the people that he's gone against and how many times he's done this payoff maybe the end of round two um, yeah, give me Nazrat in this fight. Mine is 265 favorite. Nazrat's going to end up being 9,000 even against Munoz's 7,200. This is one of the guys that I'm going to be trying to pay up for a little bit here. Uh, and I'm going to need some other underdogs to afford him. So I'm actually, uh, if I can fit him in, he's the one that I will be trying to... Ugh, I can't say I build my lineup around him, but I do feel like he's going to be in that 60% range for Hapkaras if I can afford him. Agreed. So at 9,000. At 9,000, it should be an entertaining one. Definitely one I'm looking forward to. Then we go move on to 185 pounds where we have the, not the headlining preliminary bout, close to it, with a short notice replacement, Kevin against debut in Joaquin Buckley, Buckley coming in with a 10-2 and two record, winning his last two fights in the LFA via TKO. Prior to that, losing in Bellator in his one of his losses via decision. Uh, Buckley has a ton of power in here. Very bodied up. The St. Louis fighter, I mean, is a triangle in there. All shoulders, throws. He's a southpaw who throws a good straight left down the middle. 
on the ground. He's serviceable, but he's more just a submission defense guy. He's not really trying to submit you by any means. He definitely likes to get the fights done with his hands. Uh, here, his gas tank is shown for his size. I thought it would be worse than it is. It's not good, but when you see how muscular he is, you're like, this guy isn't going to go more than a round. And then he does good in, as of round number two. Round number three, he can sustain it, but he's not increasing. He's not moving any faster. And those punches definitely do move a little bit more labored in here. But Buckley shows that, you know, he's got a lot of, a lot of power in here. Here for Holland, uh, we know what we're getting. He's someone who's trying to get as many fights as possible. And he's willing to take them up against anybody. He had a fight last week that fell out minutes before they walked out i mean i don't i i've only heard that before uh, twice ever with tom breeze and stefan struve are the only other guys i've heard of something i like got happening so really really weird holland's ready to go he doesn't cut a lot of weight for 85 holland's one of these guys that's weighs in at 182 185 where i feel like buckley may be moving up for 170 and he's not cutting the weight he ended up fighting four days ago and one hour against Jackie Josh. So he's just uh, didn't have too much of a problem with him. Starched them pretty quickly in there. But I think that Buckley's just taking any single to the UFC here. And then he's going to get hopefully a big step down. But I see Holland striking wise, a better striker on the ground by far better. It's just that power. If Holland goes back to that clinch, goes to the ground at all, should be quick work for him. I'm going to go submission round number two. I could see myself moving up to round number one because if Holland has any type of IQ, he's not going to strike at all with him. He's going to shoot right down on him and be able to uh, slow down Buckley, which will essentially just, you know, cook him until he gets that finish. As a lot of people, I like Holland a lot here. Who do you think you're going to be taking in this bout? <clears throat> Um, I don't, I like that Holland, like you were saying, isn't a guy that he walks around at regularly 200 pounds that we're worried about having to make this strenuous cut twice right on top of each other. Um, so that part to me is uh, comforting. Uh, Joaquin Buckley, uh, he's such a huge dude. I imagine he does have to cut weight. So making that two week, one week weight cut to get down to the 185 is going to be more strenuous on him. I like the take him down, rinse and repeat decision for Kevin Holland, kind of staying out how to, out of harm's way, laying down pitter-patter points where he needs to. I don't know if this will be an exciting fight, but I think Kevin Holland by decision as well. Just double-checking to see what weight. No. I mean, Joaquin Buckley fights at 185 pounds. I was thinking maybe he was a 70-pounder moving up, so four days he's got to make another weight cut. Uh, this one doesn't even have a DraftKings line out right and, now. And like you were saying, big tits. Like he's a muscular guy with big tits. Ultra muscular. And a lot of the muscle guys, they can lose and gain that weight back because of all the water in their muscles. But it doesn't mean it's good for you. <laughs> right. And on four days notice, yeah. last fight, there's no DraftKings line out yet. But Holland, as far as the betting line is, minus 450 against the plus 360 underdog here against Buckley. Uh, Holland's one of these guys, as I was saying with Hapcrass, I'm going to be putting him in a lot of spots. He's going to be expensive, but I'm going to try to pay up for him. Uh, probably in that like 40, 30% range. Uh, I don't see Buckley in too many spots that I'm going to be exposing myself to that type of danger. 
But hey, he's a UFC fighter officially. He'll be able to say that for the rest of his days. We'll have to wait for the lines to come out on them. Then we go to the 170 pound division. My little victory. Tate. It's not, it's so little. I yes. got to, it says Lewis versus Olenek now on our YouTube channel, but I can't get that picture changed until the show's. Started. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways. We're trying. Thank you, fan around and try it. It is a work in progress. And a work in progress here at 170 pounds is Leonardo Laredo Stropoli coming in against the Dirty Bird. Tim Means. Pepe in here is 9-2, losing his last fight in the UFC against Muslim Salikov in a decision prior to that, beating Tiago Alves, beating Hector Aldana, uh, really showing that with that Argentinian kicks and that good gas tank that he can go a hard three and just pat, like pitter-patter you nonstop, constantly just throwing movement in there. Like what I see from Staropoli, doesn't shoot too many takedowns, but when guys shoot on him, he has good to get back up to his feet when he has been shot on. Uh, but Staropoli likes to keep it standing. He likes to go to the body a lot with those kicks. And um, as an educated striker, he's definitely someone who's growing at 27 years old. The Dirty Bird has seen better days for sure, 29 and 12. He's been one of these guys lately for us that has been a big fake train of mine. At 36 years old, Dirty Bird has just had a lifelong career of fighting MMA, a lot of issues back and forth with a lot of injuries. I had a big underdog against him and Daniel Rodriguez five months ago where he was standing guillotine choked, but don't get it twisted. Rodriguez unleashed on him prior to that submission and as did Tiago Alves who he beat in a submission um didn't look so bad in there Nico Price finished dirty bird in there he beat Rick Rainey Marias got him in a split decision but I just don't like what I see with dirty bird he is the better credentialed striker here he just can't take the punch anymore he used to be able to take that shot throw back his receipt and keep the keep the fight in there but we've just seen now that once it starts rolling downhill it's harder for him to turn the fight around i do believe he had a pretty nasty injury against nico price that was a while ago so he's already fought back since then but regardless here i'm on the fade train i've just been fading uh dirty bird means added steropoli's shown a good chin and he showed a good gas tank and i actually think steropoli hits hard enough to be able to knock out Tim Means. Give me another finish against round number one. I could then move that into two. It's really the fade trade. Staropoli had a little bit of hype. It got subdued a little bit. That's why this line is hanging around Pickham. But I actually think that if that last fight would have been a decision the other way, I mean, we'd be seeing minus 300. And it's all fading that chin. Staropoli everywhere. Who do you think you're taking in this one? I'm going with Dirty Bird Means. I just really have lack of faith in Staropoli. He hasn't shown me anything in the mm -hmm. UFC to make me be really excited about him. And, you know, Dirty Bird sometimes win one, lose one, win one, lose one. He's on a win one. Um, it's like he knows exactly what he has to do. If I'm not worried about him getting submitted in a fight, I'm okay with him standing on his feet. Uh, he does have a soft body, which I don't know Staropoli isn't crazy that I have to worry about him taking advantage of that. Um, 
That being said, it's not because I am not feeding Tim Means. It's just because I still don't think Staropoli is, he's not a guy I see on the upswing. So I still think Tim Means, even though he's a little less than a gatekeeper at this point, he's like a yard dog, I still don't think Staropoli has enough to get through the yard, even to get to the gate. So give me Tim Means by a dirty decision. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the minus 145 favorite Staropoli, 8,300 against the Dirty Birds, 7,900 plus 120 underdogs. So slight underdog there for you. It's going to be a dirty one. I really like Staropoli there for 8-3. He's the salary relief. I'm going to be looking forward to afford my other nine guys. What's his I, normal points he puts out in the fight? 53 point average. So not too That's high if he doesn't get that many. <laughs> Dirty Bird with an average of 63 points in here. Um, I'll take Dirty Bird so with it's a comfortable loss record in there to average it out. Even on a loss, he's still averaging, you know, probably 50 points. So definitely one to watch. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be the headlining preliminary bout as well. So it's bef right before the main card. <laughs> Hey guys, Chaney here. Just stopping in real fast to remind you to hit the like and subscribe. Also, make sure you follow us on all platforms at LATV underscore MMA. That's right. For all things Lesbo and the Bean, you can find us at LATV underscore MMA. If you need a little more Emmanuel, you can find him on most platforms at Zoltanite, including Twitch. And you can find me on all platforms at Weakneck Baby. So, Thank you for listening and back to the show. Welcome back. Here we are with one of the worst ideas we've ever had. The MMA evil twin showing his ugly mug, getting in here a little bit early to break down some of the fights. How did your picks go over last weekend with all of those value picks you were giving the fans oh god you gotta you gotta bring up bring <laughs> up sore subjects it's funny how you never talk about the fact that you pooped yourself um when you were like 15 because <laughs> i would uh -huh. say that story that's a funny story that has uh -huh. never happened so so i did uh uh, I, I had a little bit of a rough, rough patch last week. I will say that um, all the fight reorganizations, a guy missing by four and a half pounds on my freaking uh, wild card pick. I mean, I, I understand Frankie Zane did not look. Um, he looked 39 old years old. Like we told you. Was that? He looked 39 he years old, like we told you. <laughs> he did, but it's it's still hard to gauge against a guy that didn't even attempt to cut weight other than to make the medical um, clearance. I mean, he's going to be have that much more energy, that much more strength. Um, it sure, just, sure, it, sure. It, Frankie, Frankie didn't – he didn't look great, but you specifically talk, like to talk about how winning fights. So – Agreed. That's a rule here. If you miss, it's usually an advantage for you. 
So, sorry, I, you cut out for some reason, uh, technical difficulties. Can you hear me still? Yeah. I got you loud and clear. There was some a little bit of reverb there. Maybe your volume on one of your switches there. The evilness just oozing out of your systems. So, <laughs> I know you got a, a limited amount of time. You got some other bets you want to talk about. We haven't even gotten into the main card, but you had some uh, leans and looks that you wanted to talk to us about. Fill us in. What do you think is going to Absolutely. So, so anyways, last week I still gave you that 75%. But, uh, I did two out of three. Your girl, JoJo, never going to play her again in my life. <laughs> uh, but value bets, we're going to go with a, uh, a value breakdown for the Derek Lewis Olenek fight card. And those fights in specific, um, I'm going to go ahead and, and break down again, give you my math. I'm going to open it up with a, I don't even know how to pronounce this, but Strapoli. That's the best way his last name, but El Strapoli. Strapoli. Um, he's get, having a four-inch reach advantage. He significant strikes landed. He actually fades by a .58, so less than, or a little over a half of a strike. His strike defense, though, is lesser by 7%. His takedown accuracy is lesser by um, 19%. He has uh, worse takedown accuracy, and he also has worse takedown defense. All these things are actually things that I would go against, but the sole fact that I'm going with him is I am fading a Tim Means. I can't back Tim Means and um, Stripoli at minus 145 is a great bet. He's nine years younger. He only has the advantage in the reach. Um, Means is a savvy, tough vet, but that chin is gone. I'm going to go with your guys' Frankie Zane pick last week and oppose. I'm going to fade to Means on my, my opening value bet card at minus 145. Go on live on air before you got on, because that's exactly what it sounds like to me. This is exactly what I said. I thought you guys hadn't done the main card yet. Oh, wait, that's a prelim, huh? Oh, <laughs> and the math checks out. Mm, weird. It's I'm like definitely going with 10 means then. If you both have Staropoli <laughs> only for a 10 means fade, I'm definitely picking 10 means. <laughs> I mean, and you didn't say anything good about Staropoli. You were like, yeah, nothing's good about him. This is purely a 10 means fade. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> He has plenty of upside. He has decent cardio. He has decent striking. He doesn't have the statistic numbers aren't accurate or aren't going to be in his favor because he has limited amount of fights. But what I did see is he outstruck Alves. Um, I mean, he had the longer reach, sure, but he has good movement. He has good striking in general, um, enough to favor a, a Tim Mean, especially Tim coming off of some less than favorable looks in his last couple fights. All right. Okay. So. Moving on to my next one is, uh, again, again, not a fighter that I back. And I know Emmanuel is a huge lover of Benil Dairy Ehrlich Dariush um, at minus 164. That's Dairy current Earth. betting lines. Yeah. Dairy, Dairy Lick or Dariush. Um, on your dad. I've never been a fan of just... What's that? Davenport? On your Davenport? You sit your derriere on your Davenport? 
or your commode. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like old words. <laughs> Dariush. Well, you're, you're going to see your Dariush on the commode. So, anyways, uh, he has a little bit more upside, but not great. Again, um, Dariush has a favorable three inch reach advantage. He has a significant strike. Uh, disadvantage of 0.65 so he gives up a little more than a half a strike strike defense he only gives up a minus four percent striking accuracy is way way worse it's a minus 27 percent so he is not as effective as his opponent at 27 percent difference but his take or excuse me yeah his takedown not his striking his takedown accuracy is 20 percent less than his opponent but he has 15 percent increase in his takedown defense so he's able to keep it standing um way better it does favor it because Dariush is a world-class brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner so him not getting the accuracy goes hand in hand with most brazilian guys that can't take a shot for their lives makes sense and uh and for that reason i mean for one of several reasons i've got to go with a Dariush in this scenario um i'm, I'm not a fan of his the math isn't all there, but the line is is definitely plenty there to still be had. Where I I favor Dariush, and I think at minus one sixty five or sixty four, he's definitely worth the play. Oh, um, nice. We haven't gotten into that one too much, and I like what you're saying with the numbers there. I, the last fight that I just keep thinking of for this one is Drakkar Close was an inch away from knocking out Benil Dariush. Drakkar Close! One of the most pillow-fisted fighters we've seen in the UFC. So it's that fade on Dariush, or it's that chin on Dariush that uh, has me super hesitant here. But I do agree he has a lot more of the check mark, especially on the ground. If it goes to the ground at right. all, Dariush has got well, this fight. Also with the Carney, has been on uh, the loss with Holtzman is to the Carney, and Dariush is a far better wrestler than Nick, Nick Lenz. Right. So that is kind it's of true. Well, he he's a different type of grappler. I wouldn't even consider him a wrestler. It's a different type of grappler. Um, Nick Lentz is very dominant when he when he can enforce the takedown and and smother you. He's a blanket type of uh, grappler. Whereas Adariush is more traditionally fundamental with uh, jujitsu, but he does have the technical grappling to get it. To a point where Nick Nick Lance is more just go go go. I'm gonna wrestle you till you tire, and we'll see who's at the end of it. Gary Yush is is more methodical, but he just doesn't have the chin to want. For whatever reason, he thinks he at, at any given time he just thinks he can outstrike with any or strike with anybody, and that's where he fails. But when he wants to grapple, he is by far one of the better grapplers in the division. But but they're two different contrasts in grappling, right? We have the, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and the collegiate wrestler-based grappling. He does both very well, but he definitely leans towards the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu grappling, in my opinion. But it's going to favor him in this fight because Holzman, Holzman will gas. He will tire. Um, not horribly, but I do think Darius takes it. And then um, for my last value pick in this Again, uh, this one's tough for me. He's actually got the best numbers out of all of them, but it's a minus 130 Chris Weidman. I'm going with a Chris Weidman here solely. Well, not solely, but he has a plus five-inch reach advantage. Um, he has a significant strike advantage of 
0.15, so a, a little over a tenth of a strike. He has a strike defense of minus 7%, which is not great, um, especially because he's very chinny. Currently, his takedown accuracy, they both negate each other, so that are zero. And then his takedown defense is at a plus 11%. Now, Omir, um, not bad. He doesn't have the greatest of punching power. He's he's done well. He's had some knockouts, but he's traditionally a, uh, a decision-based fighter. Chris Wyman has fought some of the best and gotten knocked out by some of the best in the division. He's... In looking at his recent record, he's gone up against top five guys. This is his first real step out of a non-ranked opponent or title fight. And I think this is a great opportunity for us to see the Chris Wyman of old, where he might not necessarily get a finish, but he's going to enforce that wrestling and really potentially put a beating. And and, and just we'll see. A, I, I feel like we're going to see a glimpse of Chris Wyman of old. So that is my last value pick. I know you guys still need to go over the card. I don't know if you really want to discuss that one. You can just go ahead and throw it on your books. Um, I'm telling you it's going to pay out today. I had like one one bad call on my value picks last week. I've had one bad call on my both of my value picks so far. A wild card I don't consider a value pick. It is a wild card. I'm just trying to get you bang for your buck with that last one. So... So, so as far as a prop bet, do you think going over 2.5 on Chris might win might give you a little more of that juice? Uh, yeah, it could. I mean, I don't I don't consider it a lock because they, I, anybody can show up. And when I mean anybody, I mean any Chris Wyman can show up. Cheney Chris Wyman, world-class wrestler Chris Wyman, or knockout artist Chris Wyman. It, with the current state of last week's card, COVID. I mean, we just had an explosion yesterday somewhere. Uh, whatever it is, whatever the case might be. Um, I, I don't know that I go, uh, what'd you say, a pl- uh, plus, plus two five? Yeah, over 2.5 rounds. That's a profit. If you see yeah, it going I think, to decision. That, that, I, I, think, I think Chris Wyman, for sure, I think a plus, plus 2.5 is a decent prop bet on Chris Wyman to win that. I don't know what that what those odds are off the top of my head, but I I'd put I put money on that for sure. Um, depending if it's plus money, I think it's definitely a reasonable fight. Last one and least is your wild card pick of uh, Justin James at a my at a plus one thirty. Again, I haven't listened to your cast, so I don't know what garbage picks you've made up to this point. But he's picked all the same issues very... so far. <laughs> <laughs> no, he picked as me. <laughs> all Except James. So, so we have all the exact same You're things so far? You're taking huge anus here, huh? You're taking a what now? You're ta- You're picking Q? No, that's the only one no, you guys go No, I'm picking just different. James. Right. Q, James. So keep so, on going with your value. His dad's name go is Go with your Q. wild carpet. Hmm. So last, uh, not value pick, it is wild card, Justin James. There's not a whole bunch of stats when it comes to the fight metrics, so these are extremely skew, but he has a two-inch reach advantage. He has a strike differential, or strikes landed per minute, a plus 20 strikes per minute advantage. He only fought once, right? Um, 
He has a strike defense of a plus 15. He does a takedown accuracy of minus 33% and a takedown defense of minus 33%. More than anything, the reason I'm giving you this wild card is not based on the mathematical stats, but the fact that at their previous record, Gavin Tucker is primarily a takedown, grinding decision-based fighter. James is a stopper of a fighter. He goes in there. He puts guys away. Um, he's lost his two losses are due to decision fights, but um, I, not really a fade on Gavin Tucker, just not overly impressed with his overall uh, wins up to this point. Um, James came out, or yeah, James came out like a hurricane, took out Camacho, very impressive. Um, Camacho, I, I, I mean, he's not a top 10 guy, but impressive nonetheless and and for that matter uh in james's previous fights he's able to keep it standing uh he can roll although he doesn't prefer to and for that matter i mean i'm I'm going for the home run hitter here on just james i think he gets the knockout i like that (laughs) definitely what i see the same way it's either tucker decision or james gets him out of there before the the bell rings at the end of it. That's kind of the plays. So I could see even on like DraftKings putting James in some spots and Tucker not really in much because he seems like he's going to decision City this fight if he gets the, his arm raised in it. I, I see I see James winning decision or um, oh. or by KO. I, I mean, Tucker's primary means of winning is look for the takedown, look for the submission. So... If he can't do either of those two things, he's and James is good enough that I think he can avoid it. If he can't do either of those two things, he's losing the decision or getting knocked out. That's what I All right. Too. I like that. I like that. Definitely a reason why we have the most evil twin I've ever seen in my life on the screen. Is there any other little hot tips, hot plays, stayaways, something that you just see so gross you know you like to pick them what do you what would what would you tell somebody to stay away from is there one that you're like ooh, they just don't put your money even near that fight oh god um honestly darren stewart versus the coconut bombs um it uh it's uh what is it <laughs> the coconut Maki, bombs every time uh, pitolo <laughs> <laughs> Pitolo. Pitolo, Pitolo. I'm not even looking. I know uh, who it is. Pitolo. <laughs> He's such a good I, I, I can't pronounce names. I'm not I'm not great with that, but I, I that's a stay away. I like both fighters. I like what I've seen in in their both recent fights. But um God, Pitolo, I, I mean he has the name for a reason and he looked like a beast his last outing. He can take a punch. He works great to the body. He has good hands, um, and he was able to turn off the cage. We haven't really seen him go the distance, but what we have yeah, seen we him is, is he against did Callen go the Potter. distance on- against Callan Potter, where he got picked apart thirty twenty seven against the one seventy pounder. Yeah. So okay, so so he gassed out, and then Darren Stewart is bringing your collegiate wrestling skill set, where he's going to put you up against the cage and try to. Now, like I said. Um, he turned his last opponent and was able – I mean, it, I was just super impressed with him, but this fight could go either way. I, mm-hmm. I feel like Stewart uh, can put himself in really bad spots, especially against a power striker um, like Patolo, whatever the hell his name is. You can call him Coconut uh, Bombs. That's the reason, name I was I'm, mocking more than you saying Patolo. 
I just hate coconut bombs. Oh. <laughs> it's not a oh, good really? enough nickname for you? <laughs> yeah, it's not the blonde fighter, but... <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, that's that's definitely another stay away. But either way, uh, it, I, I'm staying away from that fight because it can okay. honestly go either way. And it's um, I, I think that's a fun one. Well, I think it can be a fun one. Uh, but I think Stewart honestly probably grinds it out. and But he can get caught in between because coconut bombs throws bombs. Got them bombs. All right, guys. I'm going to have to let you. I'm going to have to let you guys go. If we did this a little later, I'd be on a little bit longer. Apologize. I got the world to save. and uh, you Like know, your Carhartt overalls. You guys, uh... Born oh, in the fire. Born in the fire. Is that a oh, diamond absolutely. cup? <laughs> oh, God. <dude. laughs> this is what they had to keep on me while Emmanuel was at home or else I'd beat the shit out of him. <laughs> No, that's what they put on you so your head wouldn't bounce off the wall. You know, special kids, how they got those helmets? <laughs> the only one that's head bounced off head. anything is yours your in the ground when our little so brother long. dropped you like the baby you are. <laughs> that dude was you like 20 pounds lighter, hit you with an uppercut. Dude, you went cross-eyed <laughs> for two minutes. That dude stood over the top of you like he was about to freaking stab a, a pig to death, and you were just you were curled up. You didn't know what to do. You were like, "Don't do it! Don't do it! He's your brother." Oh, I was sitting there <laughs> laughing like, "Damn, dude, this guy's like twenty pounds lighter. And he just dropped this fool." <laughs> so, all right, guys, you guys have a good rest of your day, Emmanuel. You suck. <laughs> Well. <laughs> so, the most evil one comes through again, spouting that hate all over the place. But we got a card to get back to. Woo! We talked a little bit about these fights, but we didn't go heavy duty into them. The main card, we have it starting off with Benil Dariush against Holtzman. We both we already talked about this. We're close enough kind in proximity that I do have to say, it's been a lightning show outside, right? It has been going There's been a few off. times it's I thought we were going to lose power. I was like, oh, okay, we're still here. Sorry. I just had to make <laughs> mention not to the – I need to start putting the Bruce buffering candle for the streaming gods. Oh, <laughs> that's my... a good one. That's a good one for sure. But we did talk about this one a little bit at 55 with Benil Dariush versus Holtzman. I think he brings up a lot of good points. Uh, as I would say, by far, Dariush is the better on the ground. Holtzman's been shown some good takedown defense. But when he gets down there, he can't get stuck, and Dariush can do that. My only hesitation in this fight, as much as it is that Tim means, is what I was saying. Dakar Close was so incredibly close to knocking out Benil Dariush. Instead of Benil Dariush taking down Close and beating him on the ground, he decided to bite on his mouthpiece and charge forward. That's cool. That's fun for the fans. But let's say you have an educated striker that's like, oh, okay, he's just going to try to knock me out too. Let's go. I think Holtzman can lean back and land that finishing strike. We've seen it before against Dariush, where he's been winning the entire fight at San Barbosa, and then all of a sudden it's completely lights out. Ramsey Nijem did it to him as well. Uh, I see why a lot of people are picking Dariush. I think he's the right side of this as well. I think he should be the favorite, but I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to have a wild card in Scotty, Hot Sauce, Holtzman, TKO, round number two. I don't think he's better than Dariush. I just am fading that chin. Who do you think you're taking in this one? 
This is so funny. I have the hot sauce knockout round one. I picture Vanille Darius getting clipped at one point, and then his instinct is to go for takedown and wrestler, jujitsu, whatever, Frankenstein takedowns. He just comes in, walks forward with his two hands, and Hot Sauce Holtzman's fast and has shit tons of power. We see it like it's getting more honed and more yeah. zoned in. I think in that time, if I have great hands, I'm going to be working on my takedown defense to just get up and stay off my back. I'm not going to be working on submissions or anything. So Benil Diariush is just slow to me, and I'm just fading that chin. It's been a while since he's been in there with a power striker, and Holtzman is a power striker. So yeah. I have Holtzman knockout round one, and I'm going to stay far away. I might put, because of how favorited Benil is, but you know what? I'm over-favorited. Every time I try to play that game, it does not pay off for me. Sometimes, I mean, obviously, most of the time, favorited's favorited. And I, um, but this heavy favorite on Benil Dariush, I'm like, are we watching the same fights? <laughs> Yeah, do you see their last fight? It's because Definitely. people can only see the record that's, you know, people are only looking five records back, but once glass jawed to me, you're kind of always glass jawed to me. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the only one I've ever seen turn around ever has been Andre Arlovsky. It's the only one. Only guy, everyone else just kind of fades away. But on DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the favorite here. Benil Dariush, 9,100 against Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman, 7,100. I'm going to be playing Holtzman 20% of my cards. Uh, Benny, 10%. I'll probably go 30%, then Holtzman 10%. Benil Dariush, just because he's so expensive. But I see Holtzman being that salary relief. On DraftKings, average points, Benny gets 72 against Holtzman's 82. So a full 10 more points for 2,000 less. Give me Hot Sauce Holtzman. And Benil Dariush, I guarantee you, his last few fights has made that average go up on wins to 72. On wins to 72. I'm just like, I don't know about Benil. I'm still not, I don't know about Benil. And he didn't look like a fire Uh, starter in his last fight where I was like, remind me, he's hot sauce coming out. I love him. We've said that about Holtzman. We have been like, at Correct. first, we thought Absolutely. that first knockout with, uh, was it Kim that he knocked out? Who did he knock out just a minute ago? Um, um, Al- Ma, who, yeah, we were like, okay, okay. But then Jim Miller, he came out and he, to me, I was like, oh, if Jim Miller is able to put him down, we're in trouble here. And that's what everyone's thinking with this. But to, I would pick Jim Miller's jujitsu over Benil Dariush. And I picked, I think I'd pick, uh, Jim Miller's stand-up over Benil Dariush. Like, I'd pick Jim Miller as the underdog versus Benil Dariush, I think. I like it. I like it. I don't think you're wrong there. Again, it's that chin, as we're saying. That's been the number one factor for me. So I'm going to be looking to play up there. Hot Sauce Holtzman looking for that finish in there. Fun underdog. Definitely staying on the opposite side of Evil Twin for a reason. (laughs) Then... We move on to 135 pounds where we have debuting Julia the Strileco, Strileco, how are we, Julia, uh, Ju- Julia? Julia Renko. Strilenko coming Renko. against Yana Kunitskaya, Tiago Santos's fiance to be. 
we have the debut. She's in about to be our homegirl. We're going to be going hanging out with Diago at training. That, I don't know. I'm just, Absolutely. I'm manifesting. We got some in. We got, we in. got some in. We got our Kudus first Kaya. in into American Top Team. <laughs> so and I'll be like, Dustin, here, what up? Remember date? when we met each other? <laughs> and Masvidal, for that matter. Yeah. So. Right. Here, the debuting fighter is nine three and one. She was in the tough house. Was the Lithuanian fighter. I do believe she has some judoka skills in there. Last coming off of a split decision win in Invicta. Prior to that, winning via armbar. She definitely likes to get it to the ground if she can. She is much more of a submission striker. Going back and watching some of the fights, she is getting better at 27 years old and at striking, but it's a big gap that she has to make up. On the tough house, her fights, I mean, who was her coach that was just like, she doesn't know how to defend a left hand. It's so frustrating, like, they just kept yelling, put up your hands. And she was so not there that she just gets picked apart by better strikers. If we see um, Strelenko in here, Strolienko, not be able to get this fight to the ground, she's going to probably get knocked out. And I was thinking it was going to go much more to a decision, but Kunitskaya here at 12-5 and five has definitely fought the much better competition. Last losing via TKO by uh, Banshee Scream. <laughs> it was via Banshee Scream. Prior to that, she and you said way back when, for all the people that have been listening, you always said um, Aspen Lad's going to get figured out because all her fights get stopped due to Banshee Scream. Right. As soon as she doesn't have that, all of a sudden it's like, oh, she's a little deficient in parts. But a lot like this fight, uh, Strelieko has to get that down, but she doesn't have the takedowns that Aspen Lad does. She doesn't have that type of ground game. Um, she can throw you, but Kunitskaya is shown against Lena Landsberg in there, against some other Renault. Those are both good submission, both good takedown artists that were unable to get Kunitskaya down. And I feel like that's what's going to end up happening here. I think Kunitskaya can keep it standing. And initially I had a decision, but the more and more I think about it, I feel like Kunitskaya is going to unleash and she can kill you by a thousand cuts and get a lot of points here but she has to fight off that takedown. But after round number one, that takedown is pretty much going to be gone in my eyes. I'm trying to talk myself into a finish here, but give me a decision, Kunitskaya, right now. I could see myself owning her in a lot of spots. Who do you think are going to be taking in this fight? Me too. I think this is kind of going to remind Kunitskaya. I think people kind of washed her off after that Aspen lad when the Lena Landsberg she beat was like at the peak of Lena Landsberg doing everything good. And Mary Renault, I think, was off a win on the Kunitskaya fight. She freaking fought Chris Cyborg. I think that alone. Um, she's a more natural 135-er. There isn't a ton going on on this division. Um, yeah, I think Kunitskaya, she has the distance. She has Thiago Santos in her corner. If she works on her takedown defense and can keep it on her feet where she wants, I think, you know, she's kind of she um, comes in with more front kicks and side kicks than like a Holly Holm, but she kind of has that point fight style and she can stay on her feet. I do love that she is with Maheta. I do think her game's going to land at American Top Team. These are two big, huge factors that, um, yeah, coronavirus, um, yeah, travel, yeah, all the weirdness of the world. Um, Give me a Kunitskaya decision, but I like it for a good amount of point decision, like an 80-point decision. 
I could see that as well, where it would turn into the 80 points. The rough thing is you're going to end up paying for the minus 230 favorite, 8,800 against Julia Strelianko for 7,400. That's going to be tough because I agree. She can, The most Kunitskaya has ever scored is 98 points. And even there, that's barely making that 8-8 eight, eight back. So I like the volume. I like her being able to win this fight with that volume, but it's going to be really close. It's going to be 10% Kunitskaya, 0% her opponent for 8-8. Eight, eight, it's a little too steep. She just she hasn't proven that much. I kind of like it. If her that. average is over 90, um, and it's safer to me that it's not going to be a wash. It's safer. It's a safer place to put my money than some of the – dudes that could also get clipped and knocked out. The average here for Kunitskaya is 55 points. Hmm. With so. only one loss on that. Yeah, yeah, not for 8-8. Eight, eight. Not for 8-8. Eight, eight. Eight, I, eight, I thought you were saying her average was 80 points. And I was like, oh, that's No, no, project. her highest, the highest she's ever scored is 98 points. She's oh, gotten okay. 27 points, 40 points, 50 so, yeah, she's her max is only 100 points pretty much unless she gets a round one finish. Which, I feel like she's going to get know, that kind of night. I don't think this girl's even close to Lena Landsberg or even close to Marion Renault level. I think I she's going to have that. her highest level kind of night. So knowing all that, it makes me like not maybe like, you know, if I'm going to play, I'm going to play around a third of my cards. <clears throat> I play. I go main card heavy though on my DraftKings. I don't tend to play. I mean, I play a few with the prelim fights, but I tend to stay away from those. Definitely in there. Then we move into the 185 pound division where we have Darren Stewart coming in against Maki Pitolo. We touched on this a little bit. Coconut bombs in here coming in with a 13 and five record. Finally winning in the UFC against Charles Bird TKO a month ago. Prior to that, losing to Callum Potter in a decision, Ooh, in a disgusting fight over across the pond there, uh, be winning his contender series fight. We know what we're getting with Coconut Bombs. He is, I believe, uh, Ali Abdelislee's disciple there. So, you know, they always try to get them the best fights possible. But Patolo just comes in bang and he throws a hard left hook, good right over the top, has serviceable high school wrestling, really doesn't go to the wrestling in a fight and other than use it in reverse to keep it striking. But what we saw at that 170 pound bout was that his gas tank and his durability was sufficiently diminished. And he's not going to have to worry about this at 85. He does have to cut because I believe he walks around at like 190, 195, but 10 pounds isn't going to be too big of a deal here against Darren Stewart, the dentist in here, 11 and five love Love Darren Stewart. I like to play him in a lot of spots lately, especially since he's turned around that wrestling. He was a English kickboxer who started, who realized once he got in the UFC that uh, his gas tank was an issue for him, and he really turned it around, even though he lost to Shabazian in a dirty split decision. He also knocked out Charles Bird because of that gas tank, rattled off a couple more wins against Bevin Lewis and Darren Wynn. And last, lost a decision at a Cage Warriors, which was actually a UFC bout that was canceled, and Cage Warriors allowed them to fight professionally. So technically, UFC caliber opponent in Fabinski, and he lost a decision there where he was pretty much out-wrestled the whole time and just really couldn't get much going there. But even here, Fabinski, I think, would take Patolo. The hard thing here is uh, 
if that big punch lands for Patolo, it's going to change the entire game. But I think Evil Twin was on to a lot of stuff there. He's Was he on Mackey or Stewart? I think he was on Patolo. I think he said I think he was on Patolo as well, and that's where I'm a little surprised there. Um, I do agree that the line's a little too far off for Stewart, but I do like Stewart on his side. Minus 140, I think I'd be much more comfortable with that. Minus 185, it's hard to really put him into a lot of parlays. If anything, Patolo is the better value (laughs) betting side of that, but I do think Stewart's able to drag this into the second and third round and just grind it away on the ground, turn it into a decision type of a fight but I do like Stewart here. Who do you think you're going to be taking in this bout? I have no idea how you would put Patolo anywhere here. I was surprised when they let Darren Stewart go. I felt like they only let Darren Stewart go because he was a grind-out, boring-type fighter. They never let him go. That's what I was saying. That Cage Warriors fight was a UFC card that fell out, and Cage Warriors still had a fight, and the UFC allowed Cage Warriors to have a professional bout. Oh, I, but it, I it was thought under the promotion. Did. No, I know, but Cage Warriors is their gig, but I actually thought he got let go out of the UFC for his contract for a while. And I think this is under new contract. Maybe earlier in his career. You might be right on that. You might be right on that for um, sure. That sounds I, I don't know. I know it. Cage Warriors is a UFC promotion, but I think he did get let go. But mm-hmm. I remember it after a win, and I remember thinking, huh, they let him go because he's a boring, grind-out style fighter. Like, they didn't like the way he fought. And he, I think everybody was surprised they let him go on a win. I might be thinking of the wrong dude. Um, uh-huh. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I think there's anything going for Patola right now is the hype off the knockout. But anyone that was watching this dude come up, it's like, oh, he's not UFC caliber, you guys. Uh, Darren Stewart is totally UFC caliber. And... Um, I think you might not like the way he fights, but he has tons mm-hmm. of ring IQ in there. And if he has to just grind you out and put his shoulder up against your face and up against the cage and then, you know, take you down when he can, uh, he's going to do that. He kind of is like a mini Curtis Blades. <laughs> but um, I'm going to go Darren Stewart decision. I don't see a finish here, but... Patolo is also one of those guys that totally effing gasses out. And I can see him quitting at the end of the third round, too. Um, right. So, like, he's fat in there. He doesn't fit 185. He could totally go down and wait where Darren Stewart's cut up in there. <laughs> right. And it's one of those things I feel like uh, Patolo, when he's knocking these dudes out in the first round, oh, it looks really good. But when Callan Potter, who isn't UFC caliber in my eyes, is able to I ground you in a decision because you have nothing left. I mean, I agree. After the first round, it's pretty much all Darren Stewart in that fight. Yeah, Darren Stewart decision. I got a decision as well. I'm going to end up going fairly light, though, unfortunately, because Darren Stewart, 8,600 on DraftKings against Mackie Patolo, 7,600. Ugh, for a decision with an average of 50. It's going to be tough, especially because I see that, the, you know, just a – Maybe three takedowns, maybe four takedowns, and then just kind of position, not even ground and pound. Just kind that of that lightning bolt did pause us for a second. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Um, there was a crow that got shish kebabed out there. I'm sure. I totally agree with you. He's not a in the way that I did say a mini Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades uh, allows a guy to get back up to take him down again. Allows him to get back up to take him down again. Allow, uh, Darren Stewart more gets you down and kind of holds you there. And so those points don't gather as much uh, for him. I don't see him being a high 
scoring fighter, even in a win. He's not. He His last two decisions, he got 64 points against Wynn and 45 points against Lewis, where he was 72 and he won and still got 45 points. That's 30 points for the win. So he scored 15 points outside of the win. Yeah. Hard to be. It's going to be hard to put Stewart on spots. But because of that knockout potential for Patolo, I got to put Patolo on 10% of my cards. I ha He has just that variance. Um where Stewart's going to be a decision kind of work, work in force in there. So, and I don't see dirty Stewart fight. with I, a, a bad chin to me. I will not put Patolo anywhere. I think uh, Evil Twin was right on that one, saying he's staying away from that fight, and that's probably the best play for that one. Yeah. Then we get to the co-main event of the evening where Chris Weidman comes in at 185 pounds against Omari Akhmedov. Akhmedov in here with a 20 This could be a main record. event of a fight night. This this, this is a Don't you think this, this is a co-main event? Don't you think it could be a main event of a fight night? Former belt holder is always be could always be a main event on his own just this because they'll show the promos with him with the belt on. Um, I agree. This is actually a really interesting matchup because as we were saying a little bit beforehand this is by far the biggest step down Chris Weidman's had and the biggest step up for Akhmedov. Here, the 20-4 and four fighter is coming off of a three-fight winning streak, getting a draw in there against um, Vittori, majority decision. He beat Al-Hassan in a split decision, beat Tim Bosch, Zach Cummings, Ian Heinish. Akhmedov is a decision machine. He, he is out of Dagestan but doesn't really fight like a lot of those other doggy fighters. He's much more sits back, will throw one and two punch combinations, will shoot for the takedown and stay on top, uh, doesn't have tons of power, serviceable fight IQ, but there's nothing that flashes. There's nothing that blows you out of the water by any means whatsoever in here. And against Chris Weidman, it's definitely uh, finally someone that he looks like he has a legitimate shot in getting out of there where... Weidman on the ground. We did see in his last only win as of late against Gastelum. He is by far the way better ground fighter, not only in wrestling, but in that Sarah Longo jiu-jitsu style. He just shuts people down. The thing is that Chris Weidman's got some terrible fight IQ at times. That spinning back kick against Rockhold, where he was winning two rounds against Rockhold, and then he throws the laziest kick in the world and gets finished in there. And I feel like even in some of his other fights, uh, he's winning until he's not. Chris Weidman is up on the scorecards, and all of a sudden he eats a knee, he eats a left hand, and it's not just a stumble. It's a lights-out, cut-to-living shit, and that durability is just finally starting to wane a little bit in there. If it gets to the ground, I do like the advantage for Weidman. I just don't know if Weidman's going to be able to get it in there. Akhmedov is a little bit shorter. Uh, but he really sprawls well in his takedown defense. Um, I, I want to say I want I got Weidman in a finish here, but I think it's more likely going to go to a decision either way. This is a coin flip for a reason. I could wake up and go off Medoff tomorrow, depending on the weigh-in, but I'm going to go Chris Weidman decision. I'm going to be ultra tentative on this fight. I don't think it's as high scorer on DraftKings. I don't think it's... I don't think I have a good grasp on either side of fighter because I really am honestly trying not to fade Chris Weidman in this spot is really what I'm trying not to do. 
because that's what I want. That's what my heart tells me to do. It's in a way like Akhmedov is a wrestler who uses his striking because he can. And Chris Weidman wants to, too. I just think Akhmedov's chin's a little better. Hmm. If this was a five-round fight, it would be so much more comfortable to pick Weidman for me in this and for him to play it different. I feel like for some reason these longer, these shorter fights, I don't know what he's doing in there, but like you're saying, it's like um, he almost has a gas tank left so the ex- he can explode, and the explosions he decides to do have a dumb thought process behind them. Like he should have, with Yoel, maybe he should have exploded into the takedown instead of, you know, or not, or the opposite. The one he got caught with the head kick, or the knee, he just went in for the slowest takedown, and the other one, it was just like, uh, didn't Susan knock him out pretty brutally? All of his knockouts have been unbrutal. And I feel like Akhmedov's not really a knockout artist, but he can land strikes and mm-hmm. like Timbo's decision, uh, Ian Hynett's decision. They and they all just seem like such bigger guys than Chris Wyden. Are they two of fibers? No, they're fibers. Gosh, I just feel like um, Zach. I feel Cummings, like Wyden's a way bigger guy than most of those guys. Well, see, that's the interesting thing with Wyden for me is he went up to two hundred five and is coming back down to one eighty five. That's an extra not good sign for me with Wyman. That actually, I could go off Medov right now because of that. Like I'm saying, I'm trying not to fade Wyman. I got decision and everything. I'm like, Wyman looks pretty shot. I mean, Akhmedov is nobody. Akhmedov is not going for the belt, but Wyman is really going down. Yeah, Wyman has gone against huge competition. And like Musasi is still, you know, doing the damn thing, Reyes, obviously, O.L. Romero. I think the Reyes isn't fair. He could be the champion right now. And then Sousa. <clears throat> Gosh, everything about Chris Wyman should be able to get the decision on this fight. Absolutely. <coughs> Absolutely. I just think ah. Medoff has gotten a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And I want it. I feel like too much of this pick of me putting Weidman decision is emotional because I want Chris Weidman to be, I, I don't need I him think. to be a champ again, but just maybe a dirty bird where he has a win one, lose one, but just doing this. Um, and yeah, the guys he's going against are far, far, far better than Akhmedov. But Chris Weidman... I'm going to put Wyman D right now, but I could find myself switching this. Akhmedov's bodied up, shaved head now. He looks like a world beater. I don't know, dude. It's scary. Knowing that Chris Wyman went back down, that ain't good. You're right on that one. On DraftKings, you're going to end up paying for the minus 135 favorite Chris Weidman 8,000 even against Doc Medoff's plus 115 8,200 so DraftKings actually has it Akhmedov is a slight favorite here um on average Akhmedov 62 points Weidman 77 much better competition for Weidman here uh I feel like Woo. I'm gonna be this is the range I'd like to please if I have an option, but oh, I could see Akhmedov getting the finish. I could see Weidman grinding out a decision. I'm gonna go ten and ten percent on either guy, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go five and five percent on each guy. Ugh. 
I don't know. I'm changing it to Akhmedov <laughs> decision. I feel like too much of my play for, is for wide men and everything I'm thinking back to him doing in his fights that are the things that like fill me with joy are these explosive, amazing things. Every time he goes in for this, like, I just feel like he unravels or something inside the octagon and Akhmedov is just the same Absolutely. game plan. Steady, 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 steady. It's like nothing gives for Akhmedov. It's the same. It's, He's never on 10, but he's, it's like he's always on six coming at you the entire fight. And um, I'm going to go Akhmedov decision, but I even if I think for a split second Akhmedov D, I don't even see Chris Weidman. He's one of those dudes that once it starts going downhill, he just turns off in a fight. He'll t- totally like turtle up too. I can see so, that. Gosh, I could see a ground and pound finish with Chris Weidman turtled up by Akhmedov, and then people are going to be on an Akhmedov hype train, and it's just a done Chris Weidman. I have a KO ground and pound finish Akhmedov round three. Ugh. Oh, uh, yeah, you're not wrong for that. It's a super gross fight. It's going to be ultra close, really close as far as 8,200 to 8,000 on DraftKings. Be warned. Absolutely grinding one. We do have a pay-per-view that has a lot more talent on it. A week away, FPC is also going to be starting as of then. So maybe I don't think I'm going to go. I know last week I didn't go heavy as far as betting. And I think this week I'm in that same boat. I uh, agree. I'm not going to be putting all my money then. So then, then there is words from the bean. <laughs> so... Moving to the main event, 265 pounds. The big boys are coming to town. Here in Vegas 6, we got Derek Lewis coming in against Alexi Olenek. The 59, 13-1 fighter is coming in as of late beating Fabricio Verdum two months ago in a split decision. Prior to that, beating Maurice Green in an armbar, losing to Walt Harris in a TKO, losing to Overeem beating Mark Hunt in a rear naked choke as well. Lexi Olenek is an underdog who will never give up, regardless of his size, regardless of all of that. He's always has that crafty submission defense. His striking is evolving. And really in his last two fights, Alexi Olenek's body did a 180. He used to be soft, and he has looked like a fit 30-year-old, even though he's 43. Yeah, absolutely looking great. I mean, look at him and Verdum standing next to each other. Two completely well, different that bodies. that was a not fair Verdum. <laughs> if we got Verdum from so, last fight, that was a whole new. We need Verdum on the Asahi Bulls. So here Olenek uh, has just been proven that with a crafty ground game and an Ezekiel choke, you can beat a lot of high-ranking guys here. His striking is his strike defense is very shoulder, put it up, block it all to get into that clinch and track you down. Doesn't mind giving up guard, doesn't mind giving up full position because on the ground he can submit you from the bottom and all sorts of crafty stuff. And shown he's relied on his chin, though, even in these wins. Against Maurice Green, Maurice Green was teeing off on him. It's just that Maurice Green's still super green in his career and faded after he couldn't get Alexi out of there. Same thing happened with Hunt. Alexi was able to just... Take a beating, not block everything, not take them down, just literally take a beating and then started to take them down. feel like a lot of that Verdum fight was in the same boat. Verdum looked good, but as soon as Verdum finished a 15-punch combination, he was like, oh, shit, this guy's still here. And Alexi's like, all right, time to get to work. 
that can be incredibly bad when you have as big a power puncher as I Derek Lewis. I disagree. Verdum looked like gar booty everywhere in that he, fight. And the second that he went to the ground with look. Olenek, Olenek was like, oh, this guy's so weak. He's been sitting on his couch for six months. I've been working out and I got my tits on and he just manhandled him. That's how I saw it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Definitely. I just think uh, this Derek Lewis right fight. now in life is in the best shape of his life. That one fight ago, Verdum was the worst shape of his life. <laughs> You're not wrong there by any means whatsoever. And here, Derek Lewis is coming in with a 23 and seven record, last on a two fight losing winning streak against Latifi in a controversial decision. Where Derek Lewis said, I'm in Texas, boys. You should know something. It's going to be a controversial decision. And he absolutely got it because uh, Latifi won that fight 29-28. But either way, prior to that, he ended up beating even off in a dirty split decision. Derek Lewis showing us he can go a hard three. Five? I don't know. But Derek Lewis has never cared about five. He's like, whatever. Just put, just pay me and I'll do what I need to. Haven't and we Derek seen him in a few five-round fights? Yes, but it's not good. <laughs> like, he takes the fights, but he doesn't train anymore for them. He just trains the same and is like, well, if we get there, we get there, but whatever. Like, I'll try to knock you out the whole time. But Derek Lewis is one of those guys that you can beat him from Miller to post. You can set strike records on his body, and then he will throw that overhand right against Volkov in the third or fifth round and knock you out. He just has that type of power. His, he does get taken down. But Derek Lewis is one of those guys that is horrible to watch on the ground because he does things that shouldn't work, but he is so strong that he just gets up. And he says it. He's like, I don't practice stand-ups. I he get like, up. And he puts does. one arm hook under your arm and just flips your whole body off from his back. He just sits it's up. not technically sound. It's because not they're like, don't sound. do that. You can't do it too many times. You'll hurt your back. But he's like, I don't do it too many times. I do it that one time I need to. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, April, get the ice packs. Yeah. <laughs> so Derek Lewis here, I feel like uh, is going to have to be fighting off the submissions nonstop. But going back and watching the fights where Olenek was finished against Overeem and Walt Harris, um, it was just an, an a crazy amount of power that got through that that shell of Olenek wasn't that they were good punches it's just the fact that Olenek's chin against these heavy heavy punchers that Walt Harris is in that boat um he can't recover and Derek Lewis has that killer instinct even if Derek Lewis is dog tired if he hurts you Derek Lewis will throw a spinning kick or a 15 punch combination and leave it out there if he gets finished afterwards he doesn't care because he has that thought process that you're probably not going to get through it. And in this fight, it takes one. If Derek Lewis clips him in that first round and sets off on 15 punches, I see Olenek going completely out. But I feel like you have to have both sides of this fight. Derek Lewis is by far way too big of a favorite against somebody who's proven that he can submit Derek Lewis style of fighters. Derek Lewis can be submitted. We haven't seen it, but he does get taken down enough for Alexi to get his game going. I got a TKO round number one, but I'm going to have both sides of this fight on DraftKings. I don't see how you can't. Uh, I don't see it going all five rounds, but I might have just cursed it, and we get all of a sudden 25 minutes. A Derek-Lewis fight? 
Absolutely. Because so, Derek Lewis fights Lewis are one way one. or the other. KL round one. True. But he also fights a lot. Like, a weird thing about him and Olenek where they're the same is Olenek will give you that flash submission the last second of a fight the same <laughs> way that uh, Derek Lewis will knock you out that last second of a fight. Um, the difference here is I hate to use it twice, but like caveman takedowns, like that Frankenstein takedowns. Olenek has Frankenstein takedowns, and he leaves too much of himself open. He just comes in, I'm taking you down. And that's where we see uh, Derek Lewis haul off. And you mentioned something mm-hmm. about his kicks, and his kicks have gotten so much better every fight. No one's talking about Derek Lewis's mm-hmm. kicks, especially his T kick straight up the middle. I think he can do everything he needs to to keep uh, Olenek away from him for long enough to lay out Derek Lewis punches. I think so much of Derek Lewis, even one clip, Olenek's not going to want to stand with him, and that desperation for the takedown. Um, Derek Lewis is almost a counter-striker that is so dangerous to get up against the cage. He's one of those kind of counter-strikers. So I kind of see that happening here. I can see him in defense um, after he clips Olenek, Olenek going in for a sloppy uh, Frankenstein takedown, uh, Derek Lewis laying off like one of those eight, 10 punch combinations that you're talking about where like three of them get through and we're like, God damn. <laughs> and it, you know, uh, puts Derek Lewis, but the same exact thing. I agree with you here. Um, you got to put Olenek on 10%. Like, I'm going to put Derek Lewis heavy on my fight night. I, You know, for as heavy as I go, I like him as my favorite in the fight. But I love Olenek as an underdog on a card mm-hmm. or two. Um, I Absolutely. think it's easy. I do think Olenek, like you're saying, he looks better and better every time in there. The same as Derek Lewis. Um, he's actually putting game plans together that I would normally say... It, but the only thing I want to take away from that is Verdun went to the ground and Olenek won the ground. You still have to get somebody down. And Olenek just has really weird takedowns. <laughs> so. I like what you're saying with that mummy takedowns because it is. He reaches mummy, for them. Mummy, that's so much. Frankenstein, it's kind of the same, but I like mummy takedowns. Yeah, same thing. I love <laughs> but, mummy takedowns. Uh, he gets a, yeah, I could see an uppercut landing, which Derek Dude Lewis does like to throw in there. This, we usually like to stack stack five round cards this is not a stack this is one or the other type of a play on DraftKings. Derek Lewis 8,700 on DraftKings the minus 230 favorite against Olenek 7,500 so one or the other on DraftKings as far as DraftKings we've been seeing a lot of these captain cards and I've been finally making a little bit of cash on it the real play that makes the most is you got to pick the right captain, obviously, it makes sense. The <laughs> captain that scores the most, but he really sets everything up. But, but you know what? It's do- not just about that. You're right, the right captain. But it's really you. The logic is you cannot go with the most expensive person. You really got to play it like a mid card level and down fight if you want to make your card right enough to get in the top. It, that's absolutely right. And that's where I was going to actually suggest here for captain plays. Uh, somebody who I'm going to probably play in a few of those roles uh, is either going to be Hot Sauce Holtzman because he's going to be cheap enough to really let me pick all the other favorites I like or Stripoli because I have both of those guys finishing and I, they're both in that mid-range. And then I'll be able to pick my Weidmans, Kunitskayas, 
more expensive fighters. But I feel like Holtzman, Stropoli are the two guys I like as captains potentially for those lineups. Do you see anybody that you um, would think just you would because like the competition? With? It's so odd. It's somebody I would normally stay away from. Woo. Uh, yeah, I would uh, but I think I'm gonna actually maybe put Kunitskaya on a card as one of my captains. I do think she can lay out those kind of points that she needs to in this fight to bring her up to that 90 tier or 100 tier. Um, I also uh, I don't dislike your Holtzman play. How much is James? Whoa! How that was is... the longest. It's still going. Um, still going. Yeah. Uh, Thunder. How, how much is James? On DraftKings? Yeah. For, for a is captain spot. Eight four. James doesn't make it to the captain though. They're only playing the top six cards oh, you're right. for captain play. So it's Steropoli is the last one against Dirty Bird Means. It's still going, that same lightning strike. The thunder is yeah, rolling. Yeah, that was a big, huge one. Wow. And the thunder rolls. That makes and the lightning strikes. That's <laughs> Kunitskaya. That Kunitskaya play was, that was the flash mob. from MMA the gods did not like that. <laughs> I thought they did. I thought it was oh, a whole okay, dance. Okay. They were like, put, put Kunitskaya as your captain. <laughs> um, yeah, I know that's kind of a weird one, but I do like the captain's cards. They make it interesting for me because I am a main card player so much. And I do <laughs> love, I have found that with the captain's cards, picking my underdog as my captain is better than picking the heavy favorite as the captain. That's why I like Holtzman. That's why I like Holtzman. Because if he makes it, if Holtzman knocks him out, boom, he's going to be definitely paying it off. Yeah. So, so it's a fun one. We got off through twelve cards. We got a pay per view right around the corner. Before we, we got bust out. Is there any yes. MMA news? UFC four is going to drop on Friday, weigh in day. That's why we got to get that Twitch one. out, you guys, and you got to pop over there and download that app. This is not a Twitch advertisement. This is more an advertisement for Zul tonight. So make sure you're following that Twitch. I can't say it enough because one day you're going to be like, whatever happened to them? And we're going to still be doing the damn thing, but it'll just be on Twitch and we'd hate to miss you. It's just so much easier to communicate. So if you're not a Twitch user, if you go over there, you'll totally understand. Um, and our whole communities over there of people we fight pick championship with. And then you can check out some of those assholes too. <laughs> <laughs> Which was going to be the other one. Be sure to be on and watch the entire fight pick championships. The seasons are revamped. The players are getting updated. We're definitely going to have a fun show. We're going to get a belt in the studio soon enough here. It's going to make it that much funner. That's coming your way. Yeah, so thank you guys for listening. Be safe out there.